Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be covering this Acts 13.48. I know this was a point of contention in the Will Duffy-Matt Slick debate. Matt Slick, he pointed to these English translations with these English tense voice mood indicators to try to claim that this word ordained in this, this verse was a passive uh, verb. He doesn't know Greek. He doesn't understand Greek. So we're going to just kind of cover the basics so everyone understands what's going on here and what this verse actually says, what, what, what the more likely interpretation is. As you see, I got Acts 13, 48 pulled up. I got the word ordained pulled up. Probably the same tense voice mood that Matt Slick was looking at when he pulled up his thing. He probably has better software than I probably got has the logo software. But you see here, tense is perfect. Perfect is a completed action, as opposed to imperfect, which is an ongoing action. It's not present, so it's, it's something that happened in the past. Voice, though, is what we're concerned about. Here, it has voice being passive. And think of a passive voice as someone's acting on you. So if someone attacks you and you're passive, you're just taking a beating, right? So passive is being acted upon. In the Greek, also, you have a middle voice as well. Middle is when you act on yourself. Maybe I brush my teeth. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm acting on myself. Or it could have a meaning where there's uh, some sort of cooperative acting on myself in, in which I'm part of. There's a wide spectrum between passive and middle that th this uh, type of verb encompasses all of those meanings. So you really have to look at context to figure out what's going on in any verse, whether of a verb's going to be passive or middle. And so if you don't believe me, I got a bunch of uh, Greek grammars pulled up. First, I got this website here. This is New Testament Greek lessons, and this is talking about the perfect middle is identical in form to the perfect passive. I got that highlighted there with an example. So next, we're going to turn to this New Testament Greek for Beginners by Gresham Machen. This is one of the texts that I grew up with uh, doing Greek with. And we'll just see what they say about the middle and passive. And they don't have a specific section about perfect middle versus perfect passive, but we'll get the idea. Here's this paragraph number three. In the present tense, the middle and passive voices are exactly alike in form, though in certain other tenses, they are entirely different. We saw from our previous uh, screen we pull got pulled up that the perfect middle and passive are the same. They're the same word. The only way to know whether you're acting on yourself or someone's acting on you or if there's a conjunction being acted upon you is uh, context. Context is what tells you how to translate the verb, whether someone else brushes my teeth, I brush my teeth, or someone helps me brush my teeth. And I mean, in English, you could probably get those concepts. Maybe you help your kid brush his teeth or maybe your kid brushes his teeth, or maybe I brush my kid's teeth. You look at context to figure it out in the Greek because the word itself doesn't give you any indications. All right, so now fast forward to Acts 13. We'll talk about a little bit about the context of what's going on here, starting in verse 43. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke to him, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the entire city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. So a lot of times when 
Paul went to different areas and he tried to proselytize the Jews first and then he'd move on to the Gentiles later. The Jews often rejected his message because it included uh, disdain for the Mosaic law, turning to the Gentiles, Gentiles forsaking circumcision, and stuff like that. So the Jews often rejected what Paul is saying. And so let's see what this says here. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it is thus necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, the Jews. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And then the Greek there, the Jews are judging themselves. This is a reflexive verb. Imagine if that reflexive verb wasn't there. Uh, the Calvinist would come to this verse and they'd say, uh, and God judges these people unworthy of eternal life. See, God's doing all the actions, but it's forced to be translated reflexively because you have the reflexive pronoun. Judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And notice this phrase that they judge themselves unworthy of eternal life. This is tongue in cheek. This is a dig at them. No one says to themselves and they say, I don't want eternal life. I think I'm a really bad guy and I don't get eternal life. That's not what's going on here. He's saying, in rejecting us, you're, you're judging yourself unworthy of eternal life. He's saying, you guys don't want it. Uh, and it's evidenced in the fact that you're rejecting what I say. It's tongue in cheek. It's a dig at these guys. But we got a parallel statement just two verses later. And so in verse 46, we got people judging themselves unworthy of eternal life. 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believes. And the Calvinists, they, they take this as uh, God's appointing these people. He's predestining them from all eternity. Just wild leaps of logic on this. But note the parallelism. The Jews judge themselves unworthy of eternal life, and the Gentiles judge themselves worthy of eternal life. Eternal life, that phrase is repeated twice in 46 and 48. Eternal life, eternal life, judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, appointed to eternal life. And uh, the Calvinists like to translate this word appointed. That's not necessarily the best translation going on here. Uh, the the word, of course, is tasso. It could be ordained or signed, disposed. These people dispose themselves. Just as the Jews were dispositioning themselves against eternal life through their actions, the Gentiles were disposing themselves towards eternal life with their actions. That's the contrast going on here. It's really hard to deny. And what the Calvinists will do is they'll come in and they will look at verse 46 and they'll ignore it. They don't care that there's people judging themselves unworthy of everlasting life. Then they'll turn to 48 and say, see, God is ordaining these people to eternal life. Really? Where's the subject? Who's the actor in verse 48? There's no actor. It doesn't say who's doing the ordaining. You're just assuming based on your theology that it's God doing the ordaining. Whereas contextually in 46, the people were judging themselves worthy or unworthy of everlasting life. 48 is following the same theme with the same phrasing about eternal life. People are choosing to follow the words of Paul here. It's not this eternal foreordained predestination going on. That would violate the entire point of what's going on here. 
The point is that these Jews were pretty zealous to accept the teachings until they became jealous after they, they turned from zealous to jealous. After uh, Paul got such a following from the Gentiles. You know, it's, it's individual actions determining how people respond, who gets eternal life, who's a believer, and who's not a believer. That's the point of this. And who's the ultimate audience? The ultimate audience of this here is not the people in this story. It's you and I reading. The Acts was written to give an account of the events that led up to uh, whatever point in Paul's life at the end of Acts. The history of Christianity thus far. Convincing you and me what's going on here. Seeing that these Jews are rejecting the God's message and the Gentiles are accepting. And it's not about eternal predestination, foreknowledge, anything like that. That, that would violate uh, any real message, meaning that Luke would be trying to communicate to us in Acts. In conclusion, Acts 13.48 is probably better translated as a parallel to 46. Acts 13.48 And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as disposed themselves to eternal life believed. Hmm. All right. Uh, that's just a short little episode there. Uh, thank you for listening.